live your life, boy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Conspiracy Farm, where we don't start the conspiracies, we just add the water. And now, your host of the most state-of-the-art, most informed podcast on the interweb, I present to you, Pat Militage and Jeffrey Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for Yeah, rear naked choke of Cocker Spaniel, bro. You know what I'm saying? Change the neighborhood up. Conspiracy Farm. Go. Check it out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, off to the races for another episode of The Conspiracy Farm. Jeffrey Wilson, as always, in the shotgun seat with my homeboy, UFC Hall of Famer, Pat Militich. What's up, Pat? How we doing? Oh, I'm doing good, man. House is chaos. Getting all the boxes packed up, getting moved, you know, doing my thing, heading towards the heading towards the farm. The nice. Conspiracy farm. No pun intended. Yeah, Pat's in the middle of a move, so he's been life's been a little bit of chaos. But I'm super stoked always to have this guest on. You know, I was a huge fan of his and still continue to be, even before we started the farm, however many years ago, five, six years ago now. Awesome, awesome content. Not always so fire and brimstone. Entertains a, entertains a wide variety of subjects, which I always find so fascinating. He is the El Jefe, the host of the Higher Side Chats. Mr. Greg Carlwood is joining us today. Bonjour, Gregory. Hey, what's happening, guys? Thanks for having me. Too kind. I always feel like I'm better at asking the questions than answering them, but hey, uh, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, there's absolutely no problem. But before we get started, ladies and gentlemen, support the farm, support the sponsors, of course, theconspiracyfarm.com, wide variety of sponsors with health being on everybody's mind. You know, we had on Tim James last night, the El Jefe over at chemicalfreebody.com, front slash farmer, promo code farmer for all kinds of good stuff. Go check it out from Gut Health, Green 85, getting all your concentrated greens in, in one scoop. But uh, I digress, man. Uh, you know, Greg, it was interesting to hear you uh, chatting with Sam Tripoli. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. A little live at the Comedy Store. I shout out to my boy Sam Sam Tripoli, at the uh, host of the Tinfoil Hat. Going to be opening for him when he comes to St. Louis, October 1st, 2nd, 3rd. Uh, that's going to be fun, having a good time with Sam as always. But during that conversation, I was happy to hear, and I've heard other people kind of remark to this on of course, we still have to kind of talk about this and deal with all the shit that's going on. But there's a part of me that's just over it. There's a part of me that's just over it. And there was a line that we, it was so spot on. You said the, the, the conspiracy bingo card has been pretty much filled up. Everything we've, everything we've all talked about for years, you know, I mean, name it, you know, mandatory vaccines, the expansion of the police state, you know, NDAA coming. I mean, all of it, all of it's now come to pass. So for me, I'm just like, I'm not trying to really convince anybody of it anymore. What's going down is going down. So I've kind of turned the page to like, now what? All right. Now we've mm-hmm. the civil war is coming. All of this shit's coming. Food shortages, all of this stuff. It's here. Possible civil war. It's here. So then it's now what? So expound on how, you know, you're thinking about that. I mean, obviously you still do your show, et cetera, but we're not the only ones who this is psychologically affecting to some degree. I mean, I'm fine. I'm not going to kill myself, but numbers of suicides are <laughs> through the roof. So how is this all affecting you, my friend? Yeah, man, I am really happy that we did the work before it was crisis level you know red level everything you know 10 years ago we have been preparing for this kind of stuff um, learning about what they wanted to do and it would be really hard to have a crash course in all that now you know when we are in this situation so i feel fortunate I also think that, you know, you kind of got to go Zen a little bit with all this stuff and you got to look like your worldview serves you. I say this almost way too much, but 
we have been painted, conspiracy people have been painted as crazy. I think that's the role of Alex Jones in the pre-internet world. He was the only one who really talked about this stuff, and he looks like a crazy person, regardless of the content of what he says. When The View needs to have someone come on and give the conspiratorial perspective, it's him, and he yells at the house moms, and he looks terrible. He doesn't look like he's, he's <laughs> better off for knowing this stuff. So right. I think especially now, you got to look – like you gotta look like a good example to other people. When people are trying to find some life raft in this conspiracy chaos, it's nice to to be a person where they look at you and they're like, huh, um, I wonder what he's thinking about this kind of thing. I wonder how he's handling this kind of stuff because he seems like he's got his head on straight and, and everyone else I see is losing their head. So uh, maybe I'll ask him a few questions, you know, at least in your inner circle, it's good to look like this stuff serves you because the stereotype is that it drives you crazy. You descend into madness. You build a Faraday cage around your house and you just live in the bunker. If you ever saw that movie Enemy of the State with uh, Will Smith, of course, that's an archetype in a lot of movies. You meet the guy who is in that Faraday cage, who answers the door with a shotgun in your face. And it's just like so super intense. And I don't love that portrayal of what it is to learn about what's really going on in the world so it's difficult but uh, I try to have a lot of empathy for people I interviewed Derek bros and he had said he's on a mission to make America friends again and I also <laughs> think that's true like it's not really the time to say I told you so it doesn't bring anyone into the circle uh, but with you and your close circle of friends you really do have to start being like hey guys uh, you know, you thought I was crazy for a long time, and now look at what's going on, and maybe we don't need to talk it to death, but maybe you also should come to my side a little bit. And I think people are waking up. When the, when the, when the elite play a big hand, they give themselves away a little bit. Sure. And so I'm hoping that's happening. Well, and I remember when we had on uh, G. Edward Griffin, and I, I think maybe even David Icke, I was like, I'm glad you had enough time to talk with us taking a break from your victory laps because they could easily be just like <laughs> high-fiving themselves, seriously. And I mean, because especially G. Edward Griffin, I mean, the man's been talking about this very stuff for, you know, 60 years. I mean, everything about the communist insurgency, what we're seeing now, everything, or even Rosa Quarry talking about Agenda 21. I mean, this stuff's been hidden in plain sight for a long time. And yeah, and I've always uh, tried to do that. Because when people kind of stereotype, you know, conspiracy theorists, they kind of say, you know, we think kind of we're smarter or we have information that you guys just don't have. And if only you had this information. And to some degree, that's that's true, because there is kind of it is frustrating to see the normies just like, what? Like acting like nothing exists, you know, in that matrix of, of the what they think is the real world. But I think that's been hugely important important for me personally over the last several weeks. You know, we took a break from doing some shows just because my, my head necessarily wasn't in it, man. I'm, I, ha I allowed myself to kind of get wrapped up in all this madness. Yes. And it's it's so important, like you were talking about with Sam or we've been talking about to balance your energies. You know, I find it so odd that all these people with Trump derangement syndrome constantly sh post shit about Trump all the time. If you hate him yeah. so much, why are you giving your energy to it? So it's like for me, I'm trying to create that balance of addressing the darkness while staying in the light. I agree with you. And I actually listened to the first episode you guys did that you posted just the other day. And I love that because I'm really desperate for pre 2020 content. You know, I like listening to something that existed before any of this happened. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of old movies like blues brothers, Maverick city slickers, and just being like, 
if you guys only knew, if Billy Crystal only knew what 2020 was going to be like, and it's just, you, you definitely need a break because this is all consuming. You can't really go out anywhere. You know, I work and obviously live from home, but I'm always in this place and I want to get out. And then I start to think, well, where am I going to go? Maybe I'll go grab a beer somewhere. Well, I don't really want to deal with the mask thing. It's fucking 102 degrees outside. I don't, you know, I don't really care walking through Walmart with a bandana on my face. It doesn't bother me as much as, you know, maybe it bothers other people because I just look at the people who are working there and I feel so bad for them. And I'm just like, yeah, I can dip in for 10 minutes and grab milk with a bandana. I don't, I don't give a well, shit. When you go in the mask like halfway off their face too. So it's like, all right, I'm not going to do right. this dog training anymore. If you, I mean, no one's participating in this shit. I'm sorry, go ahead. I, you know, I, just, I see construction workers fixing the street. And they're all wearing masks. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to complain when when this guy has to go through this kind of shit. And I don't know. It's just I, I, I'm just so desperate for the, the world before all this. Seriously. And I was also listening to uh, Pat talk about buying that acreage. And that is awesome. It also kind of scares me because I am a weak person, <laughs> physically weak person. You know, I, I just I've always been kind of scared of that point where it's like you got to put your money where your mouth is you can't just keep like i said watching 80s movies and pretending like the world is okay yeah there is a point where you have to start doing the homesteading stuff that you have advised people to do for 10 years and it's hard it is very difficult my buddy gordon white i don't know if you've had him on the show but he's been on thc more than any other guest and he Used to live in London, and then he moved to Tasmania and started a permaculture farm. Wow! Nice. And it it looks like it looks great through Instagram, but I know he's working his ass off, and <laughs> it's just yeah. it's just like I'm a little I have anxiety about the fact <laughs> that it's game time now, and I'm not an ex UFC fighter <clears throat> who doesn't have a hard time throwing around bales of hay. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm going to begin a real crash course in uh, in physical labor, I guess, in the future, but. I do think the cost to participate in the system is getting way too high. I think we might have all interviewed guests who are of that opinion, like, well, I'm not going to let them tell me I need a driver's license. I'm not going to register my car. Like, there are those extreme people in this in this circle that are like, they don't, I don't need their permission to do this stuff. And then, you know, they get pulled over and they get taken in, their car gets impounded, and they're like, I don't care, I'm free. I was like, well, I'm not that crazy. You know, right. I don't, I will play a pay to play a little bit but when it comes to the vaccine i think we really have to start thinking about what privileges might be revoked if you don't want to do it because that's my line in the sand i will not do that right and right. so does that mean i never get to fly on a plane again it might uh luckily i don't have to have a job at target so i don't have a job that can force me to do it i'm not in college anymore so they can't force me to do it but I, I do worry about some privileges of society being taken off the table, and I guess I got to start being prepared to be ready for that and being okay with it and accepting it in advance. That's well, the next stage. Well, and again, we talked about this last night, and it, it's I hate to sound redundant because we I didn't, I'm repeating myself, but we all kind of share a certain blame in this acquiescence. And in my opinion, it's it's kind of slowly happened for a very long time, but in earnest, nine eleven. You know what I mean? Hey, we're going to pat you down at the airport. Take your shoes off. We're going to possibly yeah. surveil you without you knowing about it. We might even snatch you up and detain you without due process. 
oh, fuck, okay, because I don't want that to happen again. Those two, all of that traumatic day, you know, so many different, you know, one one attack on a building was enough, but one collapse gets hit and collapses, two gets hit and collapses, Pentagon, Shanksville, Building 7. I mean, it's absolutely madness. So here we are 20 years later, what, in, 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 a, in we're giving up these rights, like you said, to fight this invisible enemy that we can't really see, but it's there. And so here we are 20 years later, giving up more and more shit, suicides through the roof, sacrificing our livelihood and our businesses for this invisible enemy. And it, right. le- and it lends itself to something we've talked about with, with China being, if not the beta test, the model for their social credit score. In, in China, yeah. if you jaywalk and you, you They're know. They're one of the financiers <clears throat> of what we're dealing with. Well, right. Including the riots and everything else. Well, of course. Yeah. But it gets into that situation. Hey, you don't have your cards. Politicians that are accepting the money. Poor Australians in Victoria, exactly. uh, you know, Melbourne. They're dude, losing their mind. This is Nazi state level stuff, and it's coming our way. Uh, the what? only reason it isn't happening here is because we have our guns still. Right. But again, <laughs> well, we just, move we move into that social credit score that China is already you know already there digitally. Yeah. The technocracy is in full swing there. We're just kind of slowly baby stepping. But again. These things that we've allowed to the rights we've been allowed to be removed in an effort to fight this invisible enemy once again. It's a slippery slope. And here we are 20 years later. It's very, very dangerous. You have your Karens of the world. You have fucking snitch lines. You have people being arrested. Our boys at Attila's Gym in New Jersey losing their business license for trying to make a living. I mean, it's absolutely insane. So, again, I think we bear a lot of responsibility to this for this. And again, just don't participate. Don't acquiesce and it won't fucking happen. Right, and I like if what you say nobody, about the, if 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 the vast majority of people would have would have not taken part, would have kept their businesses open, and would have said piss off, uh, the government could have done anything about it. That's what I I've said from day one. Don't listen to these people. Yeah. Don't do what they tell you to do. Everybody go about your business. Keep doing what you're doing, and none of this would be happening. The, the politicians and the bankers wouldn't have an excuse um, for the reason for the the uh, economy completely imploding and the monetary system collapsing, it would all fall on them and they would be drugged into the streets and hung. And that's the problem that I'm having is that the vast majority of the public is too fucking stupid and not paying attention and following these, these draconian laws, you know, yes, I'm just, it's, it's maddening. That's what drives me mad. That's what drives me mad. And I'm going to go outside. The garbage men are here. I've got more garbage than I'm supposed to have. And I'm going to go help them load the shit up. And I'll be right back. <laughs> Go for it. All. That's America, right? Hell yeah. More garbage than we need. But I agree about the invisible enemy. It's like first it was terrorism, then it was climate, and now it's vaccines. It's like there's nothing an individual can do about any of these things. And I agree with Pat. It's very frustrating to know that if the majority would just exact their power and just stop listening, everything would go away. But hmm. a long time ago, I just tried to remove that train of thought from my mind because you cannot control what other people do never will be able to and i'm seeing so many people lose their minds over the mask thing if you are a person who has decided that you are not comfortable like you if you see anyone without a mask you're going to tell them about it get ready to have a terrible day every day because you cannot control what other people are doing the like one thing i have been doing is i never really post on my personal facebook because it's all friends and family, and it's kind of extreme, and I just don't want an awkward Thanksgiving. So I tend to just <laughs> leave that alone. Yeah. And But recently I threw a couple things out there because yesterday was the day where we were going to learn what tier in California San Diego is going to be on. San Diego is the most conservative city in the state of California, so I feel like we do get a decent balance here. It's very mili- military, and I don't love that. It's, 
Navy heavy, and Navy intelligence has been involved in a lot of nefarious stuff. Mm-hmm. We're also going to be one of the first smart cities, but, you know, it is what it is. So um, we were going to find out if we were knocked back into the purple tier. And, you know, it's like we're children with these fucking color-coded tiers. But mm-hmm. it's all, the reason we were going to – the reason we had an increase in cases here in San Diego is because of the college, SDSU. They were force-tested, which, as you know, more tests, more positives. And – it became like 700 cases. And so that bumps us up to the next tier potentially. And the next tier means businesses are closed again. So you started to hear restauranteurs speaking out about this. And I'm like, you, you know this is crazy because if the problem is the college, close the fucking college. You know, obviously we know there's a lot of gamesmanship going on, but yeah. even if you're thinking on a conventional level, the logic is like, okay, we have a problem at the college. Close it down. Go back to, to digital learning like most people are doing. Why do we need to close the entire city? So, you know, care. I posted something about this. And, uh, you know, someone in my uh, inner circle of friends who does not agree with this kind of stuff at all had to make some comment and was like, you know, I, I wish we didn't have to force test people, but there's too many people out there who can't get their shit together. And I wanted to wring this person's neck, but I, I did not do it. But the point is like, so you're telling me that the government has a right to force test people, force take their DNA because this amorphous quote, can't get their shit together. What does that even mean? You don't get to control what other people do ever. So just knock it off. And it's like Mayor Faulkner uh, tweeted the other day, like, how about we fight the virus and not fight public health policy? And I'm like, what do you mean fight the virus? We can avoid the virus, I guess. We can, well, we don't get to fight it. So what are you talking about? Uh, It's just, it does drive me nuts when people try to police the rest of the world. You just gave me an idea. We're going to do a new, uh, we're going to do a skit called Meet the Faulkners. Mm. (laughs) I like it. I like it. Yeah, you can't avoid a virus. A virus is going to spread no matter what. You know what I mean? If, if you lock everybody down for a year and you let them back out, then it'll start spreading again, right? It is yeah. what it is. There is you got to meet herd immunity. Yeah. People are just like science has gone out the window. Common sense has gone out the window. Everybody's believing Fauci who goes one way, then the other. Everybody believes the, 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 uh, the Tedros uh, just spoke about him last night, um, leader of the World Health Organization, the puppet of Bill Gates. Uh, yeah, the, you can't avoid a virus. It's going to either affect you or it's not, but you're going to get it. And we need yeah, it. That's like, a part of what we talked about with Tim. Like, we need these kind of exposures. That's what makes the human body so resilient. The immune, immune system do what it does. That's what they say. That's what the, the Dell Big Trees and the Sally Fallon Morels and Dr. Thomas Cowens, that's what they're saying. And they're getting me to challenge a lot more than I realized I was going to be challenging in the beginning, beginning of this thing. But one more point about California's tiered four tier level it's like if you really look at that image and you study and you just just think about it i think anybody can see through it because if you wanted to enact the most control and you were going to make four tiers what would you do you'd make the requirements as strict as possible so that you could basically make any decision you want kind of like at uh, a typical retail job where there's so many rules to follow no one's following all of them and they let you get away with it until they want to fire you and then it's like here's violation a b and c but we have these four tiers. The, the bottom tier, of course, is minimal. And to be in that tier, so it, first off, it says minimal. Most business operations are open with modifications. So like it doesn't get lower than that, which is basically like still not back to normal. And to be in that tier, you have 
less than one daily case per 100,000 people. Less than one, that is zero. So zero cases out of 100,000 people, most businesses are operational and we're minimal. And then you just move up to moderate. Moderate is one to 3.9 daily cases per 100,000 people. And that's moderate, substantial. To have a substantial pandemic, it's four to seven new cases per 100,000 people. And then the purple tier is what they call widespread. Most indoor business operations are closed, it says, and that's more than seven cases per 100,000 people. So eight cases, the difference between widespread and minimal is eight people out of 100,000 with a insane. test that is 30% inaccurate false positives so, yeah it's like yeah. what the fuck are you talking about it, well, it really is insane well there's it, no common sense no it, but so, okay double double loaded question here or double prong question why the fuck is everybody equating immediately a positive test with a death sentence like it's fucking also ebola true. and you're gonna be bleeding out of your ears and what role and this is something and i'm very serious about this I, I i know there's laws out there but i need to dig into it and we need to do more shows on this what is the media's role in helping to exacerbate our perception of what's going on even though we know it's 99 point whatever percent survivable but we're still freaking out about positive tests even though we know hospitaliza hospitalizations and deaths are down yeah more more pop people are popping positive if you pop positive for just the regular cold they'll say it's COVID 19. What are your thoughts yeah. on, on that perception that it's a death sentence and media's role in creating that false perception? Absolutely true. And as I've tried to find ways to talk to my friends who are not in conspiracy, you know, usually we just ignore it. I don't talk to them about their jobs. They don't talk to me about my job. Right. But it's gotten very difficult through all this. And so I've said to them, the certain ones who have watched media and then have decided I'm not going to come to the party because I watched CNN this morning and uh, you know my wife's freaking out. She doesn't want to... So I say, look, before this happened, we knew that the media hypes up everything, right? We knew the media sells fear to sell ads and to keep hmm. your attention. You know that, right? And they'll be like, yes. I'm like, nothing has changed. Just keep in mind that nothing has changed. And it's worked on some people and it hasn't worked on others. But I agree. We do have this perception that a positive case is a death. First off, what are they even testing for? You know, we can go through that whole thing, but right. the survival rates, I just saw this. It's like, not to go through all the numbers, but let's just look at 70 plus, which is the most vulnerable. 70 plus is 94.6% survivable. First off, there's only like, there's less than 5% of the U.S. population who has even gotten it. So you have to be in that minority. And then to be in another minority, it's like winning the lottery to die of this thing, even if you're over 70 years old. So you get right. younger than that, and it's 99.5. Between 20 and 49, the range I think we're all in, is 99.98% survivable. So if you even get it, right. you're probably fine. Like, Well, what did CDC, those numbers, I, I don't know the exact ones. It was like 9,000 maybe people have actually died from COVID. Like 90-some plus has been comorbidities. I mean, again, that doesn't stop people from still like freaking out and like, you're yes. going to kill grandma. Well, it, it's grandma. She's going to die probably pretty soon anyway. And again, you know, who wants to live in this riskless society? When we hop out in our car and go to the grocery store or whatever, we could be one of those 3,000 plus people who die in a car accident or just go through the yeah. numbers of people who die every single day from XYZ, which is even more than what we see with COVID, but we just don't shut the shit down. 
That's why I think this is a part of a designed, you know, whatever you want to call it, Agenda 21, this new normal, the smart grid, the Internet of Things that we are growing into, this technocracy, this transhumanist technocracy, authoritarian style. That's just these are just the beginning phases of it. And it's all a part of this program to create this, as they call this new normal. And, you know, they Mm -hmm. want they want the civil war. They want to burn it down and from the ashes build, like you said, your smart cities. New York is going to be one of them. L.A. is going to be another one. I think the upper northwest is going to be another smart city. I mean, this is, I keep saying, they have to take out the old to bring in the new, and part of that is us. They're doing mm-hmm. it with us, society, politics, financially. We're moving into digital currency. They've already been talking about it. It's all part you know, of the plan. It is, and people don't like to hear that you should get involved with your local government, but you should get involved with your local government. I happen to be in a lucky, privileged position like you guys where we have audiences. So if you look at how many people are actually watching like your local mayoral debate, it's under a thousand. Like I see some things on YouTube for San Diego and the interviews with the the mayor candidates. They will have under a thousand views. It's insane that no one's paying attention, but I am in a position where I can email them and say, hey, I have a six figure audience. You need to kind of listen to listen to me and we should be friends, you know, (laughs) and, you know, I'm not trying to get in bed with politicians, but if it keeps the smart city from creeping up on me a little faster, sure. I would like to be like, hey, uh, here are some links. Tell me what you think about these. And you're probably not going to going to win over a lot of a lot of politicians like this. But I just think what else can you do? I mean, we're we're about to be at the level where we just have to retreat and hermit up and become the stereotype. I don't want to become. But yeah, you can't control what other people do. So what can you do but protect yourself and the people that uh, will let you, the people you care about? Well, and it's something that's very important. Even on a good day, you want to have a decent relationship with your local sheriff. I mean, that's just good to have he, mm-hmm. him, to, him or her to know you and you to know them. And something hugely important that we have spoke on about Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, any of this kind of reset, it's an international global plan that is executed and implemented locally. That's why you see, yeah. you know, these county executives, these health directors, these are the ones that say, wear your mask, close down this and this and this. They're the ones, you know, the unelected bureaucrats. Some of them are elected, but unelected bureaucrats. Some people are elected, but it's happening on a local level. I think that's why it's hugely important for all of us, especially with everything going on right now, to recognize that and get involved in some measure of local politics. Because, again, this is, this is something huge they've been planning for a long time, but it has to happen on that incremental level, starting at, you know, your local cities and municipalities. I agree. I agree. And it's it's not fun to go to uh, these things. It's not fun to to even really engage with political people. I feel like I'm oil and water with those people. (laughs) But at the same time, like maybe maybe you can stop this stuff from creeping in a little bit. And I don't know. I just don't have a lot of better ideas because the thing has always been so top down and it's just (laughs) it sucks. Well, Well, here's here's where. We're we're in a we're in a um, situation where, as Jeff said, you know, New York, Seattle, Portland, some of these other places, Los Angeles, these super cities that are going to be built. Um, and and I told you on a couple different podcasts about a clandestine Freemason from Washington D.C. who basically would confront me on everything, basically on freedom, um, and and everything they said seemed so backwards that it just didn't make sense to me. And then he finally started sending me private messages this has been years back um i think this is probably a good five six years ago saying if you and your family want a spot in one of the last cities there's a spot for you if you want you just you have to stop 
thinking the way you're thinking, right? Damn. And then he started talking about a city in Ethiopia where he and his family will be going. Shit. And then I started researching more on that, and there is a city being built. It's it's all being updated. It's all being, it's it's crazy what's going on. So what he was saying was actually correct. So he was in tap, tied into these deep these deep state shitbags and these globalists. And so it's it's a little worrisome. It's a little worrisome. So the way I look at it is, and you guys analyze it maybe differently, but I see those cities as being experimental. Let's give it a shot. Let's run everybody out of the cities first, um, update everything, and then allow allow people back in. Um, and they're they're obviously they don't care who lives and who dies um, at this point, besides themselves. But I think that's kind of what's going on. You know, I live in outside of the Quad Cities, which total on the Iowa Illinois side, the Quad Cities is about five hundred thousand, six hundred thousand people with all those cities combined. Uh, but I live outside of town. You know, none of that stuff is going on here yet, anything like that. So it's going to be interesting to view uh, the, this, this shitstorm that's going on in these major cities from outside that glass hmm. and, and just see how it all goes down. I agree. And I do worry about <laughs> the last train out of town. You know, I <laughs> I do want to, to milk it, I guess, as much as I can. But what if a lot of these places won't take you if you haven't had the vaccine? You know, like, not that I'm going to go to Canada, but that's definitely an example of a yeah. place where you probably won't be able to go. Uh, I don't think you can go there right now. The border's closed, then, I think, still. Yeah, so when will it open? It'll probably open for those who have a vaccine first. And I've thought about uh, Acapulco, Mexico, because there is that Anarcho-Poco uh, conference where a lot of the, the big movers and shakers in the alternative community, they have this conference, and... Uh, it's like a little microcosm of people who think kind of like us. I don't really consider myself an anarchist, I guess, but at the same time, it's like uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to be super strict if they agree on most of the other things. But there there are I guess little pockets, but I really don't want to leave. I don't want to be in a situation where my aging parents, who are going to be in America regardless, where I can't get to them without getting on a plane right. if I have. So it's like, where within the United States can you go? I don't know. The Midwest doesn't seem terrible, but I just I just worry about a lot of stuff in the next coming decade. Yeah, well, I have I have three children. I have three daughters. So, you know, look, if I was single and didn't have any kids, I'd figure it out mm -hmm. a lot easier, without a doubt. But I am I am setting up a small piece of property with a, a farmhouse that was built in 1890. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to get solar. I'm going to put another outbuilding on it. I'm going to have... Um, greenhouses. I'm going to have a chicken coop. It will be fenced in. It will have large dogs, man eaters, you know, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and, and and I talked about it last night. I'm not joking, man. I'm getting kangles and mastiffs. Uh, you know, 200 pound kangles. plus plus hats. Kangle, kangles. <laughs> the, they're, they're the only dog known to kill mountain lions by themselves. So. Oh Jesus. They're <laughs> they're Turkish. They're they're Turkish. They're Turkish dogs uh, bred to protect uh, sheep herds. Um, so. No, I'm gonna they, end up they're... getting eaten by my own dogs trying yeah. to take the trash out. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Guess who's not coming to visit, Pat? <laughs> He's like, no, but I, so for me, um, it's you know I'm I'm doing it no matter what. I have to do it, and uh, my 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 wife thinks I'm a little bit crazy, so she's gonna stay in a condo while I'm doing all of that stuff. But uh, when the shit goes down, I know where she's gonna want to be. Right. Right. <laughs> Agreed. And it really also sucks for. You know, millennials get a really bad rap because they are kind of getting wrapped up in the uh, 
the protests <laughs> and the riots and stuff. But honestly, like someone who is under 30, what has their life been? You know, they're in high school during 9-11. That sucks. You get out of high school, you get into college because it's what everyone tells you to do. It's the most expensive it's ever been. They give you loans when you're 18 years old that you can never get out of with a bankruptcy or anything like that. So that's terrible. Then right when they're coming of age, it's like 2008 hits and nobody's higher and everything's back in the trash. You finally pull yourself out of that and 2020 <laughs> happens. And I don't blame a lot of young people for just being like, burn all this shit down. It's not the right attitude. It's an attitude I had when I was young, probably. So I empathize with it. But it has been a rough go for people under 30. As much as we you know, can talk shit on them. Also growing up online. I mean, what the fuck? Talk about altering your brain wiring. Like, yeah, I was. I, it's tough. I wound up watching most of uh, without getting. I mean, I had my issues with it. It had a lot of good information on that social conflict. I think it was the Netflix documentary on oh, yeah. on basically data mining and all this stuff. And they basically gave the metric of just what you said. These kids, their minds are so warped of the perception of reality because it's filtered through social social media. And you got the age of kids doing self mutilation and killing themselves like way lower than it's ever been, and, you know, because of like online bullying and shit like that. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. These no, kids don't. I got, I, yeah. Go ahead. No, go I was ahead. just saying. I, I heard a term. I forget his name. An executive or one of the founders of NBC back in the day. He used a phrase called "they're born digital," and this is a whole new phase of kids that are literally born digital and just. You know, my daughter's like, what did you do when you were a kid? I'm like, I fucking climbed trees. I, you know, almost died here or there and, you know, played army till I was probably too old to play army. It just, I lived life. I was outside, you know what I mean? Where she's, I mean, she still does stuff, but it's like more, you know, this shit, you know, with your neck over, watching something online, you yeah. know, sitting in a group of friends, everybody's on their phone. I mean, it's just really fucking bizarre what, what social media and social networking has done to us. Sorry, the, way, the way I the, the, I have to I have to uh, a rebuttal though for the millennial <laughs> comment from from Mr. Carlwood. Imagine being born in 1900. World War One starts in 1913. The Spanish stock market, war. the greatest depression known to man, happens in 1929. 1941, World War Two, and then the Korean War in the 50s, the Cold War during all of that. 1960s. Uh, you got the Vietnam War. You got chaos constantly. So you skipped over I, the I Spanish flu. You, the, the, the the millennials can straight up fuck off, bro. Well, that's bad. <laughs> but hey, hey, they didn't have TikTok, all right? Right. <laughs> no, I'm just fucking yeah. around. But yeah. I just I, yeah, I the try Chinese influence pretty thick. Yes. Well, I try to be empathetic because I'm not proud of everything I did when I was 18 either. But I also agree with you, Pat, because that is the flip side. And. Uh, these days, when everybody is talking about the world falling apart, I made a comment on my show that, like, me and my wife are thinking about having kids. We want to, you know, and people are like, how could you do that with the state of the world like it is? I go, well, and I thought back to exactly the kind of stuff you're saying. I'm like, people always think the sky is falling. It probably sucked pretty bad when they're picking kids out of a lottery to go to Vietnam. You know, you think that was fun? That's that's scarier to me than than COVID, honestly. So... Yeah, it's the world always has issues, and uh, I want to have kids regardless. Maybe it's a selfish thing, but maybe the new world is going to need people who were raised off of a computer and by someone who's trying to instill wisdom in them. Yeah. And otherwise, it's just the TikTok. Well, well, I'm advising my kids to get into um, number one. Luckily, you know, my kids are much different than me. They get straight A's. Uh, they're excellent students, excellent uh, avid readers, uh, amazing athletes. Uh, my oldest daughter got earned herself a scholarship to a D1 school for rowing and academics. She did her part. My my 16 year old's doing her part to do the same thing, but I'm advising them. You know, my my senior or my uh, freshman in college 
went into marine biology, which by itself is tough enough. Uh, <clears throat> but I told her to use that marine biology degree to get into alternative energy. Then she has a place. She has she has a place, right, mm -hmm. with alternative energy, with green energy and all of that. And I've told my 16-year-old to do something similar or to get into the banking and financial sector. Then she's got a secured place most likely as she works her way up through that world. And I'll tell my, my, my seven-year-old the same thing, you know, to do that, you know, where I, I've got to give them kind of – I can see into the future a little bit about what's coming. I don't like what's coming. Um, some of it's very dark uh, potentially. But uh, if my kids have a place in that world, you know, I have to see to it that, that, that I can carve out a niche for them maybe in their brain where they can go direction-wise no matter what happens. Something something AI-proof because, you know, back in, when we were growing yeah. up, we could bartend, yeah. we could flip burgers and all that other shit to kind of make our way. But now, I mean, within the next 10 years, AI is going to be taking over so many of these jobs. They're going to be just rendered so many obsolete. So, yeah, teaching our kids as we raise them, like, hey, you know, forward thinking of, of these jobs that will actually have a place in this, whatever we call it, new world mm -hmm. order, <laughs> it's definitely going to be a... You got to do something human, um, something that can't where you can't be replaced like no computer is going to come and uh, start hosting the higher side chats or the conspiracy farm like people are always going to want to have interactions with other people so i feel like we're very fortunate that we've already set this up because it would be very hard if we had been if i was born 10 years younger and i was dealing with uh, just trying to like come of age and, and all I, I wouldn't be where i am also, if you're born 10 years later, I probably would have been vested in something else. And, yeah. and I would just be in retail management. And that would suck. So I don't right, know. Right. another approach to the handling, like trying to increase your numbers, something Gordon White said is he's like, if you're if you want to try to strategically bring people in, go to your neighbors and be like, hey, do you think it like, let's just think about tomatoes. Do you think they're going to be more or less expensive in the next 10 years? Do you think they're going to be better quality or worse quality in the next 10 years? And from that conversation, you can really start a community garden with the people. Be like, I'll grow these five things. You grow those five things. And we're, we'll be all right. You know, uh, my wife's not home today because she went to our buddy's farm. He started homesteading a few years ago. And he's like, hey, I got 30 chickens to slaughter. And I've always said that as much meat as I eat, I think it's kind of important that I kill my own meat a time or two. I don't really want to do it, but I think it's an important thing to do. And uh, I set up this interview, and she's like, well, I'm going. So my wife's cutting the head off chickens right now and plucking <laughs> nice. their feathers out. And, uh, I mean, she's tough. She's tougher than me, honestly. That's why I don't really want to go to the homesteading route because she's going to see me constantly bitching and sweating and, and sitting down after trying to dig a two-foot hole. Um, but I also, I, I, with some friends that, you know, they probably wouldn't agree about the pandemic and all this kind of stuff, but what they did want to do is split a cow. So, you know, we went and we found a local farmer we split a cow, we split a heritage hog and they're like, dude, this is the best meat I've ever had. Yes, and the yeah. hog comes, parts of the hog came with <clears throat> skin on it. And the, the woman who dropped it off, she was like, the skin has vitamins that we don't normally get. Just cook it skin side down like you would fish or whatever and that soaks into the rest of the meat, and it's delicious. A couple of the girls in the group were like, skin? I don't know if I want to eat pig skin, but you just, like, that's that's the more normal. Well, why not, why not? The hair scorches off when you cook uh, it. Exactly, exactly. Well, in that vein, uh, ladies and gentlemen, throw in a shameless plug there. We have butcherbox.com front slash farmer as a sponsor. Heritage oh. pork, organic meats, organic salmon, grass-fed beef, absolutely some of the most delicious meat that I've ever had. So butcherbox.com front slash farmer. 
But I mean, these are, I mean, even if you don't, I always add, you know, say to my daughter, you know, it's these tools, even it's better to have them and not need them than need them than not have them. So it's good to know how to field dress a deer. You know what I mean? Or like you said, hunt a couple times, but it's interesting. And I've kind of heard this over the years, you know, demonizing self-sufficiency, giving people tickets for collecting rainwater or selling, um, uh, not selling heirloom seeds, selling tomatoes with no seeds in it. So you have to keep buying these seeds. What are your thoughts on that? You or Pat, have you guys kind of thoughts on the demonization of self-sufficiency? We saw it when all this kicked off, like certain places weren't even selling seeds because, you know, they don't want you to grow your own garden. It's like they, it's like, it's like they tax the people that, that have set up uh, biodiesel refineries at their farms. They'll, they'll basically do the gallons of diesel you use of your own that you've created on your own and then tax you based on those gallons, shit like that. You know, it's just, it's retarded. It's, it's completely unconstitutional. And and absolutely goes against everything. But you know what? Uh, I, at some point, we're either going to have an awake, a, a great enough awakening of citizens who get fed up and everybody marches at the same time, or everybody gets picked off one by one. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's what it comes down to. It's true. And uh, it's kind of like, I think about this COVID thing, and it really is the climate agenda rewired because everything they wanted to do with like rationing and all this kind of stuff with the climate agenda is what they're using COVID for. Yep. And yeah, sustainable development. Yes. And, uh, like I was just, that's the other thing is they're always telling us like, Hey, you need to conserve, you need to conserve. I'm like, I don't produce, I can't produce. Not that I think CO2 is the, the end all be all like they present it, but there's just a study that came out that the top 1% produces double the CO2 emissions of the poorest 50% of the population. Like, that's what I'm talking about. You want to, if this is, if this is the paradigm you're going to present, then you need to change. Yeah. If this is the paradigm, then Monsanto can't be a company because biodiversity, they say, which I do agree with that is a huge marker of the health of the planet. Biodiversity is dropping off a cliff. Well, I'm not doing that. Monsanto's doing that. It's the Terminator seeds. And in terms of attacking self-sufficiency, Forgive me if I mentioned this before, but it was just so eye-opening to me. One of the first conspiracies I ever interviewed someone about that, that I really had no knowledge on at all was prohibition. We all think, oh, well, there was just this time where a bunch of uh, conservative housewives were sick of their husbands coming home drunk, and so they picked up their signs and they rallied and they made alcohol illegal for 10 years. That is not what happened. It was Rockefeller funded. It was the oil industry who didn't want people doing what Pat's talking about. They these tractors and all this farm equipment and even cars used to run on alcohol. Alcohol is something you can produce at home. So that was the thing. You think the government cares if we drink ourselves to death? Of course Mm. not. Of course not. But they cared about the fuel industry. Same with weed. Obviously we know that with weed um, and the textile industry. And instead they wanted to cut down these hundred year old redwoods instead of growing a plant, you can grow four times a year to produce the same stuff. Um, we know that, but I didn't know the alcohol side of things. I didn't know and that either. That's it crazy. was well, so and interesting. And it, it and makes so much sense, up, too. What you brought up, uh, you know, regarding, regarding uh, you know, they're accomplishing everything that they wanted in the Green New Deal, Agenda 21, all of that, by what they're doing. I was pointing it out months ago, months ago, when they first came out with the first $2.2 trillion stimulus bill, and in there were stipulations placed on, you know, airline companies and different different corporations, you know, basically I'm sitting there saying to myself, 
okay, they talked about no more farting cows. Well, uh, <laughs> meat production has been shut down. Uh, they're basically shutting down the airline industry. No more planes. They talked about that. All of these things. I said, the stipulations within the multi-trillion dollar stimulus packages were what they wanted in Agenda 21 and the Green New Deal. And people sat there. I mean, I had numerous people on Twitter going, you're fucking insane. What are you talking about, dude? You're a lunatic. And I go, so here we are going back to, it's almost everything we ever talk about, every subject matter. People have no historical reference. They haven't been paying attention to Agenda 21. They hadn't been paying attention to the Green New Deal, truly paying attention. And they didn't pay attention to the stipulations placed in the, in the multi-trillion dollar bailouts. So they just are fucking clueless. And I'm talking to a wall, a bunch of empty-headed uh, morons. And it's it, that's, again, the shit that I'm talking about. It's the same thing that we're talking about with you know, the Bolshevik Revolution, the Nazi takeover, the brown shirts, all that sort of stuff, letting people out of prisons, putting badges on them eventually after you get rid of the law enforcement, which they've done throughout history. All of this shit is, it's, it's, it's literally so clear. It's like I'm looking at my blackboard. I can see the map of all of it. But most of America and most of the people around the world don't get any of it. And so I just go, you know what? Fuck all of you. I'm going to get my farm. I'm going to get set up, my food, my chickens, my dogs, everything else. Fuck you guys. You can starve. Well, and I'm glad, Greg, you brought that up. We kind of touched on it a little earlier. You know, it is a chess game, not checkers. And these guys map this shit out in generations and decades. Because like you said, the Rockefellers back in the day was all about eugenics, you know, forced sterilization in some cases. But that just didn't play well. But it was always about this eugenic, I keep saying this eugenics-based technocratic uh, uh, technocracy you're moving into because they just hate humanity. The eugenicists hate humanity. And when that didn't play out well, we had to bring in climate change. And when climate change started using it, losing its steam, because, you know, we knew Al Gore and all the O2 thing was full of shit. Now they have to, you know, another silent, silent enemy, an invisible threat, you know, CO2, climate, humans. If you guys don't stop fucking making babies and doing all this shit, you guys are going to destroy the planet. When again, you know, this is all a part of the language of, of sustainable development, restricting access to goods and services, the supply food line. All this shit is all a part of this much larger agenda. So I'm, I'm glad you kind of brought that up because a lot of people don't. I mean, we all got fucking ADD. We're not we can't. A lot of us can't link eugenics with COVID. It's taken place well, over many a decades, but it's definitely there. Challenge accepted, because when it comes <laughs> to the vaccine agenda and what Bill Gates has been doing even before this, for the last 10 years, they've been always talking about like, oh, we're doing these vaccine studies. Where do they always do them? Africa. They're constantly yeah, going yeah. to Africa to test their vaccines. Now COVID hits. Who's affected the worst? Old people, fat people, and black and brown people. Ding, ding, ding. And then they want to go altruistic and say, well, now that the vaccine, when it comes out, yes. we got to put the black and the brown people first in line because we care about them. So and much. This has been so devastating for them. Yeah. So we're going to give them the front line of the vaccine testing. I mean, that is it. that is eugenics pulled well, into 2020. Yeah. Yes. And, then, and, then we fold, and then we fold into a new eugenics uh, mentality and angle is would would the this is the thing that like most of the psychopathic white liberals and less I think percentage of minorities believe or trust the elites right I, but I think the white liberals are just all um, psychopathic like we have to help the black man the black man can't defend himself he can't think for himself. And it's the most racist fucking mindset I've ever yeah. seen in my life, right? So, but here's what here's my point with that, where you go from, hey, let, let, let the minorities get in line first for the fucking experimental vaccine. Let's help them first. Um, 
Now we transfer over to the eugenicist mindset where would the elites be pushing a race war for the population, blacks take up roughly 13% of the population in this in this country. We know that the other side is fucking very heavily armed, right? And most of those people who have no desire to kill anyone, but they're literally forcing us. They're forcing Americans against each other to the point where they're paying criminals who they've let out of prison to go burn down fucking buildings, burn down businesses. Even in Kenosha, Wisconsin, I, my, uh, one of my former fighters who lives in Kenosha, who has a business in Kenosha, said most of the businesses that were burned in Kenosha were black-owned businesses by blacks from outside Wisconsin, from Michigan and Minnesota. So my point is, is people need to wake up and go, the elites don't fucking care about you. They're trying to get you killed. They want to get you killed. They don't give a flying fuck about you. So let's wake up, let's unite as citizens, and go after the people we're supposed to be going after, the politicians, the media, and the elites. Well, and like you said, Greg, that you know, their seemingly altruistic actions are always covering their more nefarious, you know, real intentions. 100%. And it's all, you know, you look at that fucking Act Blue. I mean, these guys, BLM or Andy, they're sitting on hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't know if you've yeah. seen this. Hundreds of millions from Apple and Google. Yeah, because you guys give a fuck now. They know what they're funding. You know, they, right. they know exactly what the fuck they're funding, this, this seemingly benevolent thing, which is really moving towards, like, scorched fucking earth and race war and civil war. Right. And, you know, I did yeah. grow up liberal because yeah. when, when I'm, con I'm a contrarian. And so when I grew up <clears throat> in Missouri and everyone was conservative, I was like, OK, let me go the other way, maybe to be a thorn in people's side and also just, you know, whatever. I did drink a little of that Kool-Aid for a while. And I got in trouble recently because I had two shows on that kind of were with guests that were uh, definitely a little too squishy, too liberal, too, <laughs> too uh, BLMs, you know, but I do because I covered first the Floyd, the George Floyd thing and said, look, this dude, you know, he worked with this cop like there's a lot of manipulation going on. There's only about a dozen black men killed by so armed. There's only about a dozen armed black men killed by police a year. How many do you see on TV? All 12. They, you know, but also there's 12 armed white guys who get killed a year. They don't show any of those. So obviously they are skewing everything. There's what, yeah. three? There, I think I read there's 300 police encounters a year between citizens, or 300 million police yeah. encounters a year. And we have 24 deaths. It shouldn't happen, but it, you know, it happens a little bit, but they're clearly amping everything up. So I covered that first, and then I got some feedback from black people that were like, hey, man, I'm a big fan of your show, but I'm feeling like this show's not for me. Like, and, and I also have people in my personal life. And there are some skewed things in society for black people, but you look at Black Lives Matter, that is just a slogan. That money that they're sitting on, that's going to the Biden campaign. It's not going to correct the skewed loans that we give out in this country. It's not going to support... Uh, Black people who have a, a small business idea or to help them get into a house or to help them start building the generational wealth that our country is based on. Where are the so, black-owned banks? Exactly, exactly. And that's right. that's the kind of history I tried to get into with some of these guests. You know, one wrote a book called Policing the Black Man and wanted to focus on prosecution, which I think is a lot better focused than the cops killing black men. Like, this is a more systemic thing. And, you know, the other guy wrote a book called uh, Policing Black Bodies and wanted to talk about 
exonerations, which is also something that shows you that there's a real bias in policing because exonerations is when you, uh, you know, they, they reverse things and you look at it, it's overwhelmingly black people. So yeah. it's like no, clearly they put. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and look, we know the black race has been targeted for a long time. Destruction of the family unit unit and it's right. it's bled and, it, sure. and it's 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 literally bled into all of society it's it's whites it's blacks it's latinos it's 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 systemic now right it's it's systemic so but we have to talk look i've trained law enforcement and military for a long time there is racism in law enforcement there are elements that are that are racist i mean it it just exists there's racists everywhere right mm -hmm. unfortunately there are some racists who happen to have some power but it's not it's not so bad because I've trained all over the country law enforcement and it's that's not the case that I've noticed everywhere I mean there are certain places down south where it's 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 still pretty bad and I was a little taken back by some places and I won't say exactly where but but I was taken back by some of the comments by some of the law enforcement officers that I was training but um, you know at the same time we have to go to you know this defund the police thing and I've said this before on the podcast is that Years ago, I noticed that the that many of the law enforcement officers, when I used to have rooms full of cops from all over that that area, uh, doing the trainings with me, I, I I train the trainers. I don't train the the everyday cop. I train the defensive tactics guys, right? And then they go back and teach their departments. Well, it, it was it was getting to a point where a lot of them were having to pay out of their own pocket to get training from us, and that that showed me that the budgets were already being cut years ago. Then at the same time, they were all complaining that standards had been lowered to the point where they were if you had a, if dude if you could fog a mirror up with your breath like you could get a job as a cop and that that started to be a little more alarming right so now you've got cops who aren't physically or mentally capable of handling the stresses of that job and then you give them no training and then you put a gun on their hip and throw them out there with a society that is all fucked up right so then on top of that you've got the politicians from the clinton administration and others uh, you know that throw out the crime bill and and Hillary Clinton calling calling black super predators and and uh, Biden saying that he doesn't want his kids to go to a school with blacks because it'll be like a jungle and all this other shit. But people <laughs> yet somehow this fucking idiot gets the nomination for the Democratic Party. I know. So because of so black listen. People, apparently. So this has been yeah. systemic. Come on, man. Systemic attacks against the minorities and blacks in general, and and it's gone on for decades. And I wish people would wake up and recognize where those attacks came from. And that literally, if I'm a Ku Klux Klan guy uh, in the 1990s or 2005, and I'm a Democrat, and I come out today and go, man, I'm so sorry for thinking that way. I love black people. I want you to vote for me. All of a sudden, everything's forgiven because I'm a Democrat, and people think I'm a fucking good guy, and they're going to vote for me. People need to wake up. Like, these people don't change their feathers. They might paint them a different color, but they don't change their feathers. Well, and a part of this larger strategy is kind of going back to the Bolshevik Revolution. A couple things. I mean, they know one of the easiest things to pin on or to, to ping on is racism because there are inequities. But in the larger agenda, it's, it's, that's just a part of it. But it's really a, a class warfare, the haves versus the have-nots. And I, right. I don't give a fuck. I know black, a lot of black people don't like to embrace this thought. I completely reject this notion that only white people can be racist against black people as if, you know, no, black people don't have the power to be racist as if that's the requirement to, to fulfill the definition. Right. The, the black dude who calls the Mexican dude a wetback is just as racist as the Mexican dude who calls the black dude a pinta mayate. You know what I mean? That's racism. Now, can that can that skewing of can can the un can that racism manifest in like a certain power inequities? Yes, but it's not absolutely sufficient, necessary rather, 
to to have racism going. Racism, I mean, any race who thinks another race is better is a fucking racist. But I, I just reject this notion that it only can manifest because, bro, I fucking seen it. You know, y'all white people smell like wet dog. Y'all white people. I mean, in the 90s, like every fucking black comedian, man, black people be doing this. White people be doing that. It's always this like sometimes yeah. just embrace. Well, well, and you, and you have it's a, fun to joke and you about have a unique perspective, Jeff. Jeff, has, Jeff, you've got a unique perspective because, well, your mother's white and your father's black, right? Yeah, yeah. So you've always had a unique perspective and heard racism from both sides, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that's that's something that I've often thought about and tried to put myself in that position of how would I perceive racism, you know, from and and that that's a different perspective. Well, it, it, it always and it bothers me, too, that, you know, anybody, I mean, a lot of Facebook posts about, oh, my life is uh, everyone is being professional fucking victims at all times, it seems like. And I think when I when, sure. you, when I hear a lot of black folks say certain things about it, it, it sometimes not all the time, because there are definitely inequities, but sometimes it gets overused to the point where it's like. I'd rather just play the role as a fucking victim than kind of recognize maybe my own culpability or my own community's culpability in some of these inequities. Like, you know, the guy who got shot and is now paralyzed or any of these things. Oftentimes, these motherfuckers aren't walking down the street reading Bible verses or sitting in their church. or There's usually <laughs> something fucking going on. The dude who got shot in Kenosha, the cops were there because of his warrant. He was fighting with them. He was fucking went around his car and reached into his karambit knife in his hand and was going to get a gun. He said to to do the go back to the conspiracy to the bingo card. He fulfilled every fucking slot on the bingo card on how to get shot. So, again, we got to like pump the fucking brakes. And, you know, going back to, you know, where the where the black owned banks and this and that since 2013, the the, I think the net purchasing power of the black community topped a trillion dollars. That could that builds a lot of fucking banks. That little builds a lot of grocery stores, a lot of black owned yeah. businesses creating that generational wealth. But they choose and oftentimes to spend their money outside of the community, weakening their political power. No one wants to invest in communities when you're decimating them and not investing in them. So, again, there has to be a lot of responsibility on in anybody's hands and how you conduct yourself in America. But this constant everything is a fucking racism and I didn't do nothing. Because then I got shot. It's, it's, it's bullshit. And a lot of times this goes back to this perpetual victim mentality that's perpetuated. But it also, even though they do have to take responsibility, like Pat was saying, there's been a, 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 a war on, on, a, on the have nots. But it's definitely been uh, huge in the black community of removing dad from the house, the creating of the uh, commercial prison industry. You know, then you enter the crack game and, and disproportionate drug charges and this and that. So, again, there has been a war. But again, you know, if, if you grew up with an alcoholic dad or got your ass beat, you can't always use that as a fucking excuse, man. At some point in time, you got to put the past in the past and move forward while still well while still remaining mindful of the inequities. But it should never define your disposition towards white people or anybody else. Fucking stay in your lane and, and do your thing. There, there's too many. There's a record number of, of black millionaires. There's been too many success stories that have come out of these fucking nightmarish conditions, man. I used to work and teach in Cabrini Green in Chicago, and a lot of those kids didn't make it, but some did. So you can never fucking use your community, your upbringing as an excuse, man. Sorry to rant there. No, it's all good. I just want to stay out of your way because cheers to that. And I am sorry for getting this, you know, into the weeds on race like every podcast seems to be. But, uh, you know, it's tough stuff to cut around because it's being politicized and spun into areas. And, you know, the Black Lives Matter thing is being spun off. All that money of people who really do want to do a good thing is putting in the wrong place. And it is it's tough to cut around and and find the meat and get and not trigger someone with one of those agendas that's being played on us. And, you know, you guys both did a good job in terms of money being spent in communities. I absolutely agree to bring it back to today. Who are the big profiteers? 
You know, people are afraid to go outside since March, but Walmart's been open. Target's yeah. been open. Yeah. You know, the big profiteers, Amazon up 100%, Walmart 100%, Target's up 80%, Microsoft, well, I said, all Facebook, the churches, Google. All the churches should have been holding services on Sundays inside Walmarts and Targets. Right. And <laughs> the small businesses <laughs> are shit. closing. Yeah. And it's that. that's why, like, even if you want to take race out of it, you should spend your money in your community and build up the unique businesses that exist Locally there. owned stores, man. And right Locally now you can't. Right, right now you can't. So that's just another, it's a huge transfer of wealth from the mom and pops who had really started to get their shit together because they were, a lot of them have used the internet to see the template for what a good business is. You know, we get a lot of shit in California for all these little restaurants that are reclaimed wood and Edison light bulbs, but it looks nice. And so people kind of learn how to how to make different types of businesses that actually attract people to come in. You know, it's easier for them to find someone to draw their logos. It's easier for them to find someone to make plans for for the bar they want to have. Like you can yeah. you can have more resources because of the internet and that's only existed for like right. really 15 years. So these people who have figured it out and used these resources to build something successful they just got shut down. Yes. The timing is interesting because these people would have just gotten their businesses to that next level and it all goes away. We're lucky that our businesses are digital, I guess, but I'm also yeah. really stuck in the uh, the digital nightmare, the digital dystopia that will be coming. But the only other thing I wanted to say on, on the race thing is I agree that it just is a division because the way I tried to express it on the show is the elite tossed white guys a quarter and black guys 10 cents and we've been arguing about that difference, that 15 cent difference this whole time. And meanwhile, they're sitting on piles of billions, trillions of dollars. And I do think that's the game. It's like you purposely created a caste system where the, the gap between the top and, and the, the working middle class is insane and always getting chipped away at more and more. And then you right. put another group underneath that and then those two groups talk. they should be united yes. against that one percent again like pat yeah. said in the beginning all we have is our numbers so why are we looking to split into smaller little groups well right. that's them you know? they know they know how to do that they know how to separate and balkanize whether it's people exactly. or countries they know how to break shit up and then play those parts off against each other that's obviously a big part we're so easily programmable it's crazy man i just sit back and i watch it and go and what is it again what is it about us that makes us go no, not buying it. No, you no, you no, said no, it, Pat. You, it. I mean, most people go for that, you know, that thirty minute fast food fucking kind of digestion of news. Hey, I watched the news for thirty minutes on the on the nightly news. Now I know what's up. They don't. A a lot of people. I remember growing up. I hate history. I hate history. Okay, you don't like fucking history, but you're also doomed to repeat it, and you won't be able to recognize these patterns if you don't have that frame of reference. You don't even really have to be a conspiratorial person. Be like, huh? Getting rid of the cops, arresting citizens for having their business, and. You know, it's all it sounds a lot releasing, like the Bolshevik Revolution. Felons for Re releasing felons by the tens of thousands. Yeah, all of it. it, it that oh, that sounds familiar. We, it's true, yeah. and it is why we do have to make America friends again. Like I do really like that that phrase, and it is why we need to be strategic. You know, read Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People because <laughs> that's how they do it to us. Yeah, and it is yeah. just a strategy of cadence and these little things you can do to make people feel important, like. It isn't necessarily bad, uh, but it's kind of manipulative to uh, study how to how to influence people. But at the same time, it's just a tool that exists and people still have the choice to agree or disagree. Um, and they have to know that there are people who are trained in that. But regardless, we need to kind of learn how to be 
uh, more influential and not be like oil and water to people who don't agree with us on every little thing. Because yeah. again, it's just like the division, it's, we're so fractured that none of these little communities are ever going to be able to really topple the thing unless they're united. If yeah. we keep looking at liberals and being like, you know, look at their stupid behavior. I mean, to a degree that when cities well, are burning, getting burning destroyed, down buildings and cars, I know, and I know. But, it, but we have to stupid. we have to we have to find a way to win them over rather than just shoot uh, them. yeah <laughs> well and you know it's interesting because you listen to I the guess news if we shoot them we could still have the majority because, well you know. we'd get along a lot better both sides no. says the same shit about each other like the republicans say you know liberals are libtards and stupid and the, the liberals are like man these guys are fucking yeah, cavemen but, and yeah but they you need know what? everybody what? needs to but go to their I'm, re-education camp according to each side I had the guy call me a Trump tard, and I go, um, I go, well, I go, let me ask you a question. I go, and I'll get to this because I wanted to get to this. Trump is saying we're we're, we're going to have the vaccine pretty soon. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. You know, this and that. It's going to be super great, the greatest ever. Um, you know, the vaccine's coming soon. You know, and I think he's doing this on purpose because he knows guys like you and I, and and most people who kind of are in, independent free thinkers are going mm, six months to a year vaccines perfected nah no it's not yeah i'm not taking it and then all the people that hate trump while he's going yeah take the vaccine take the vaccine take the vaccine you know all the people that hate trump are going to go no i'm not taking it either right <laughs> is, is he throwing a curveball at the globalists right now like he did say for example in syria um when he hit the when he called ahead phoned ahead and told the russians that were on a syrian airport base said hey uh, there's some tomahawks headed your way you guys might want to clear out. And they took, you know, they took the Syrians with them and they put some holes in some runways and knocked out some hangars and, and blew a few things up for the, for the airstrike supposedly right. where the, where the, where, where, where the, where the gas, where the, where the gas attack came, came from supposedly um, where he's appeasing the globalists. Now is he throwing a curveball at Gates and, and all these other guys, you know, a little reverse psychology. Yeah. What's your take on that? Well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm critical of Trump as much as I would be any president. And it is possible that there are those kind of games being played. But at the same time, I think I'm just not so sure because going back to the Derek Bros interview I did, he pointed out that everybody talked about Trump withdrawing from who, which I'm a fan of, of course. Yeah, we should withdraw from who. But what they didn't say is that they he also secured a billion dollars for Gavi. Gavi is the vaccine alliance that Bill Gates runs. So what's going on? Is this a is this a consolidation of, yeah. of that kind of stuff? Like it is it seems worse than being involved with who, in my opinion. So I do think there are some things like I'm just I'm just not in that Q camp. And uh, but what I do think is a problem is the harassment of of Trump supporters. Like everybody thinks it's kind of a joke and it, it really isn't. Like I'm seeing some pretty pretty gnarly stuff. Like this is a mild example, but I saw online this guy had a Trump thing in his, in the window of his apartment, you know, big sky rise. And he has a Trump, he's a Trump fan and it's, it's in his window and the people can see it on the street. And then you go to the apartment above him and someone has a sign that says, it has their PayPal address and they say, we'll tap dance all night for donations. And they think it's funny because a lot of people hate Trump supporters. So it's like, oh, we're going to give donations to this guy to continually harass the guy below him. That's really not cool. No. Like that's that's and, and, and to go use a worse example in San Diego, some guy had a, a Trump sign in his lawn and they drew a Nazi thing on it. Uh, 
that's only one level away from burning that guy's house down. Yeah. Like, yeah. or really attacking that guy. And I really think we got to be careful because. I think there are a lot of racists that love Trump, but there's also a lot of Trump supporters that just like his economic policy. They like the fact that we have drawn down the wars. I mean, that's what I was about. If you asked me my major issue 10 years ago, it'd be like, we need to get out of these wars and focus our energy at home. Well, right. that occurred, and I will give him that win for sure. But donating a billion dollars of taxpayer dollars to the Gavi Alliance, that scares me. Uh, I don't know how he's playing this thing. I don't know if they tricked him in the beginning or or, or what, but uh, I never put my faith in a president. And I think that's a, a crazy thing that happened is they took all these people who knew never to trust authority and they said everything they wanted to hear. And then the last thing they threw on the end is, uh, and the president's going to save the day. I'm like, I thought we thought rigged elections were rigged long ago. Right. You know, well, they and they've made put it someone in there. They don't want they've made right. it. So and we go through this every four to eight years. But even our subtle differences we might have with Trump. Or, you know, I was never necessarily a supporter. They've made it so binary. Fuck. The last thing we need is Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. So it's almost like we have oh. to vote for Trump, because if we don't vote for Trump, we're going to get this. But, you know, ultimately, it's still this it's this fake dialectic this fake narrative it's all wwe man trump is controlled just like anybody else he said say in one hand this will never be a socialist country but then cut fucking seven trillion dollar check to the banks and the corporations and they buy shit up and you know falsely inflate the uh the, the stock market so right. again there's many they they like that right left paradigm and people to think just right. in those terms but it's always so much deeper you know in my opinion trump's been controlled you know, by Wall Street and Wall Street powers, you know, his, his commerce secretary, Wilbur Ross, companies like BlackRock and Stephen, uh, Stephen Fink, um, he just got so many players, who, people who bailed him out in the 80s, so he kind of owes them, and yeah. not of those guys got cabinet positions. So, I mean, there's just nothing is ever what it seems, like we say on the show quite often, but I think I'm just worried uh, as much as, again, I try to fight the darkness, if you will, while staying in the light. I'm really worried about November 3rd and the subsequent days and weeks because neither, everyone's, neither side's Prep, you know, they're both prepping to not accept the results. Yes, but the silver lining, I think, is that the biggest chunk of people are the people who aren't engaging. Like, if you look at people who who uh, are voting, like, there's a huge, the biggest, it's like a third, a third, a third. A third of people aren't participating at all. They've, you know, gotten away from this whole thing. So, yeah, there are extremists on both sides. There will be conflict. Both sides have already been groomed to not trust the election results of this, regardless of what happens. But I think we do still have a majority of people who have checked out. And I don't know, maybe if we could unite those people, we would be on equal footing to everyone else. I think it's like the TV, again, the TV amps up everything. Yes. And it makes it seem like everyone is on side A or side B. And it's like, actually, there is a side C of people who don't care at all. And that group of people is quite large. Right. And, so true. You know. But yeah, every every 48 years. We're still staying years, home on election day. Yeah. <laughs> Stop taking the Pepsi challenge, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Greg Carwood. Pat, you had any final comments, questions for our board before we let him slide? No, man. Thank you for joining us, Greg. It's been awesome. Good to talk to you again. Yes. Always great to talk to you guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. An isolating job here. What's that? <laughs> uh, what? I'm, I'm very isolated here. Oh, no. That's uh, all right. I work alone, so it's nice to hang out with the boys. Absolutely. Where are you, li where, where are you living currently? San Diego. Yeah, belly you, of the beast. Right. Yes, yes, yes. I've got a lot of friends out in San Diego, former naval guys and naval special warfare guys, and I, I, uh, I talk to them quite often and go, "Dude, get out of there." Great. Yep. 
Yep. Right. We're going to be a smart city. Like, obviously, it's you're, it's a nightmare place, but I do like the weather. <laughs> well, I look, Take the human I, layer off, and the weather's quite nice. As we started yes. the conversation off air, I guess we've lowered the bar on what we uh, were willing to put up with. <laughs> exactly. Greg Carlwood, he is the host of the Higher Side Chats. It's been a pleasure, my friend. You are always welcome. Patrick, love you, brother. Talk to you soon. Ladies and gentlemen, right, guys. peace and all them kinds of loves. Stay tuned. There will always be more.